you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast doesn't believe in Bigfoot. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I mean... You can just count up the things to be disappointed about and upset about right now. Almost lost my hearing. There was a ear can issue just now. Uh, we just talked about they totally, Mark, botched the Termin- Terminator sequel rollout. We were talking about that before we went right. there. Uh, you can't go the, – the way they've handled everything since T2 is a disaster. <laughs> the the Jets and Browns are combined 3-13. and 13. Mm. Which Total feels disaster. like both of their final records at this point. Greg will not stop talking about how they're not giving him a proper starch in the uh, dinner meal. Which, <laughs> which Greg, the other side of Greg, the other <laughs> side of Greg, I know would then he would then say, "Well, you can't really complain about." Yeah, it no, I, it's free. I should, I should, uh, I always kept something in the freezer, you know, because yeah, ultimately that. they're giving us free food, so it's tough. It's tough to complain. But if you're going to put it out, it is just crazy. It's fine. Wings and and, uh, carrots, that's not a meal. you got to have something to balance what else is going on. I'm with you, but you claim that it's tough to complain. It didn't seem that tough for you to complain about this. I don't believe in Bigfoot, but I could spend hours on cryptozoology. All right. See, Wes is fine. This is Wes had the right idea. You know, Wes never – he divorced himself from the Bengals, so he has no – trauma to deal with on a you know weekly basis and he's not a foodie at the level Greg is although you are a great cook a chef there is a difference though I I'm still refining my palate where I believe Greg's has been refined that, for 15 that's years that's not even. true at all okay anyway uh, but we get to talk about football for a living we get paid for it so everything's fine on balance and and we have a uh, a whole slate of games to talk about. This is, of course, the flagship program, uh, which you could catch in podcast form and also video form, both on NFL.com and YouTube. And that's cool. Right, Ricky? 
Yeah. And Ricky's our producer, like Sorry. Erica Tamposi is our producer. That's yeah. the coolest part about it. And you know, everything. more of us are happy about that. I'm not sure the actual producer is that happy I'm about I'm very, it, you're putting a really false narrative out into the world. Oh. Okay? It's, that's possible too. I, I, I'm exploring the issue. I'm, I not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the answer what is. what I get to do every day. You know, they say you want to wake up with a smile on your, on your face going into work, <laughs> and that's exactly how I feel. I bet. We can okay? feel that too. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go through all of the games that were played on Sunday. Uh, The first game that was played, of course, in London. The final game that was played in Baltimore. And we're going to break it down with some analysis and, uh, you know, just a touch of mirth. Everybody in my mentions, oh, Dan, how are you going to do the show today? You know, the Jets are so bad. You know what? You process these things over time. Also, what has been the beeline of our entire time doing this show? Half our teams that we root for sucking like gigantic trash bags floating in from outer space. Yes. Done like a thousand <laughs> shows. The Jets have sucked virtually the entire time. I've gotten quite good at, you know, compartmentalizing that. Usually. Let us go. Get going. We're going to start with a really nice game. An inter-conference game? Intra-conference game? Don't even. We don't. We've... <laughs> To Arrowhead Stadium. He's right in the middle of the field. Will the Vikings call timeout to freeze it? No, they will not. Placement is down. Butker's kick is up. And the kick is good. He got it. Butker got it. And the Chiefs have won the game in regulation. Harrison Butker, game winner. Kansas City in 6-3. and three. Never felt so good. Mitch Holt is KCFX. More like butt kicker. Nailed it. Harrison Butker split the uprights from 40 yards out at the gun. Lifting the Chiefs to a big 26-23 win over the Vikings. Butker was swallowed up by teammates near midfield after the game-winning kick. Most notably, Patrick Mahomes in that mix, the injured quarterback um, who is expected to return to action next week against the Titans. And, uh, gentlemen, such an important win for the Chiefs. Uh, because, listen, even though the Raiders have been a nice surprise, they are, you know, a 500 or thereabout team. They're a 7 to 9, 10 if they get super frisky team. Hanging around. But you know what? The Chiefs aren't looking just to win the AFC West. They want to get the bye. You, it is a Super Bowl or bust se- season for the Chiefs, which means go get 11 wins. Go get 12 wins. And with Patrick Mahomes missing these games, they had to figure out a way to win at least one of them. They got a game today. So they're 6-3. and three, And like I said, Mahomes is supposed to come back next week against an eminently beatable Titans team. They are in good position to make a run in the back half of the season and as for this game Minnesota we talked about on Thursday would they be able to show up uh, in a game with Kirk Cousins historically struggling against over 500 teams and uh, would they be ready for a come down not quite the Vikings were winning this game they went they went ahead on a touchdown in the fourth quarter and the Chiefs showed that they're not just all Patrick Mahomes and Matt Moore Wes has done a very nice job in these past two weeks keeping this offense afloat yeah, I used to think uh, you get a good backup quarterback in case your quarterback goes out for the year. But now it's, you know, to really tie you over, when, you know, for a game or two, just to keep you, you know, to worry about home field advantage in the playoffs, to keep you in the playoff race. And a veteran like Matt Moore is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league, even after a year out of the league. He was smart. He had offers, you know, according to uh, NBC last year to return to the game, and he didn't want to – at his age, and he's had 
you know, ups and downs. He only wanted to do it if he had a chance to succeed. You have Andy Reid call. You go do it. He's I've said it a million times in this podcast. I think he's the most influential, important offensive coach of this century, of the last two decades. And this is an example why. You don't have Patrick Mahomes, but you do have Tyreek Hill, which makes a huge difference. You get him the ball. But some of these throws Moore was making were under pressure. They weren't easy. And I'm, I'm happy to have another Matt Moore moment. I kind of love watching Matt Moore float up and down the sideline after some of those scoring drives by the Chiefs. He just looks the part. And it's amazing that he was out of football. I think from, from the very beginning, when he's had to step in, he hasn't been afraid to play with aggression. He's thrown the ball downfield, and it hasn't. He, he was punished today, had a bad fumble at one point, but he made enough plays. And you're right, he could have gone to back to Miami or to a team where wanted to turn him into a starter. He's on a team surrounding him with a lot of talent. When weapons. he rallied the, I think it was the 09 Panthers, they were a, kind of a dead team that he went four or five and one with. I always thought he was like a poor man's Romo because he, he'll go for it. Like he'll be aggressive, and he has a knack for making those big plays. Damian Williams is another big player in this game. He had a 91-yard touchdown run in the third quarter uh, that really was such a huge play in this game. And when LaShawn McCoy came aboard in Kansas City, it felt like he was going to become the guy back there. But Williams has made sure he he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. So he's an important player there. Uh, And as you said, Tyreek Hill... Um, 140 yards. Uh, that's the most yards receiving since since week 11 of last season. And you just you just get the feeling that this team has a really nice run in them in the second half here, where they're going to be right there in the mix for a buy. And if some by some possibility the Patriots stumble, maybe don't completely rule them out of that uh, number one seed just yet. I would say also if you're one of the teams, a contending team. With one of the few kickers that you can rely on from week to week. The butt kicker. Butker, he is one of those guys. You're set apart because I'll even look at New England and say they have kicker issues right now that are causing them to re-strategize their approach to offense. And we've seen that for week after week. Kansas City in Butker's got one of the dudes you can just – he's going he's gonna to get it done week after week. Well, this is the team the Chiefs, I thought about it, have wanted to have on the field other than Mahomes for a while. You have Watkins – and Hill healthy at the same time. I mean, Hill, those some of these catches he made, most humans, most, I mean, great wide receivers could not make. And then more importantly, I think Chris Jones returns today and has a monster game, and they have their best defensive game of the year. 308 yards to a, a, a Vikings offense, 4.7 yards per play that was playing quite well. That That's as good as the Chiefs have been this year. Diggs and Thielen combined for one catch and four yards, and I saw that Thielen aggravated his hamstring. Right, and Thielen was out for most of the – Game. He did, and Cousins uh, statistically didn't look like he had a bad day, but I wouldn't say he was nearly the guy he's been in recent weeks. Good stat from ES- ESPN. He was 0, f- 0 for 9 when passing under duress, the worst of his career, mm. and the second most attempts without a completion in those situations this season, joining a Cam Newton with a banged-up shoulder-slash-foot. You never want to be in that group in 2019. So we'll get into the Vikings a little bit more um, in the days ahead. Uh, but I thought this is just this was about the Chiefs and a really nice win as they spin forward into the second half. Let's move on. Vinatieri in his 24th year out of South Dakota State. Here comes the snap. It's down. The kick by Vinatieri is on its way. It's missed. It's missed. The Steelers dodge a huge bullet. And Adam Vinatieri over his career hasn't done this but a handful of times. 43 wide left, and I see a victory formation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mmm. Bill Hillgrove. 
I call him Bill Grove. Bill Grove. WDVE with the call. You know, the open end of Heinz Field has claimed the souls of many a kicker. On Sunday, I got Adam Vinatieri. His 43-yard attempt with 114 to play drifted left. And the Steelers escape 26-24, win over the Colts. That's three straight wins for the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers, who have worked their way back to 500 after uh, an 0-3 start. Wes, here's what Mike Tomlin had to say. It's good to be sitting at 4-4. Four and four. I never thought I'd hear myself say that. Come on, let's give the black and yellow some love, Chris. We'll give this defense a lot of love. They played really well, and they are a takeaway happy defense. Minka Fitzpatrick, a pick six early in the game to tie it when it looks like the great Colts there. could run away. Yeah, I'm no longer worried about that trade, even if uh, Mason Rudolph doesn't get better and they fall apart the rest of the way, mm. because they're not going to draft in the top five. And Minka Fitzpatrick has been a Pro Bowl player for them. He's been fantastic. So they did fine in that trade. They did really well. Uh, TJ Watt had another good game. Bud Dupree, who's had a really good contract year, had two sacks and a huge third down stuff on uh, Marlon Mack that forced that 43-yard field goal for Vinatieri. The Steelers' defense played great. There is no quarterback uh, that that bothers me to watch than Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I, I would rather watch Mitch Trubisky than Mason Rudolph. Whoa, that you take that back. Times. I will not take that back. Mason Rudolph, I mean, when we watch quarterbacks, they're all sort of an avatar for kind of like how we want we would like to see a quarterback play. And Mason Rudolph's brand of training wheels, check downs, and screen passes <laughs> versus every single time he's allowed to drop back, panics and throws up a jump ball. I just can't with this guy. Not the Whoa. future in Pittsburgh. No, there's no way this guy's – I know it's early, but it, he would have to do a complete 180. I, I still think the better quarterback is sitting on the bench, and I know his physical limitations, but he's more Duck. decisive with the ball. He sees the field better. He doesn't panic in the pocket, and there's a sense of rhythm when he's quarterbacking, whereas with Mason Rudolph, there's no rhythm. So when we opened up calling the Steelers the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers, you'd have an issue with that – it was of sort of like when we had the Brock Osweiler-led Texans. I remember you had issues with that, yeah. too. <laughs> they, yeah, he, he did lead the Texans to a really nice season. He absolutely did. Yeah, about five yards per attempt for Rudolph. And because of this win, you know, the Steelers fans, they, they come honking. I mean, they weren't happy, apparently, about how, we, how <laughs> I talked about it or how we talked about it. And, you know, I will admit, if you can beat a Colts team with Brian Hoyer at quarterback and oh. without T.Y. Hilton on a oh, missed great. field goal at the buzzer, I mean, who can argue that this Not is a the great, great look, team? Greg. Who could argue? Not a great look. We should talk about Greg it. Greg is hitting out eight minutes. I mean, Brian Hoyer was playing quarterback the whole game, and they didn't have Hilton. Please. Kobe present his his blocker kind of bangs into his knee, which buckles. Uh, he misses the rest of the game. He was grabbing at the knee like a guy who blew out his knee initially. So luckily, it doesn't seem to be that bad. I believe Frank Reich said after the game that it was like an MCL-ish sprain. So it could be a lot worse, could be better. Uh, and we'll see what his availability is going forward. Hoyer is a, a perfectly fine backup, um, especially considering, well, they should they should have kept Chad Swag Kelly. I could have won <laughs> yeah, sandwiches well, absolutely. He might starting be this week. Uh, but instead they have Hoyer. How did he look in the, in the event we get to see more Brian Hoyer going forward? I think on the Brian Hoyer spectrum, this was about an 8.5 out of 10. He did as well as you can expect Brian Hoyer to do. Three touchdowns, outplayed the other team's quarterback by quite a bit. All right, we get it. Mason's trying his best, okay? I'm not sure he is. <laughs> Dang. And by the and I'm and I'm sort of, you know, having fun with the Steelers. They're they're fine. And the the least surprising thing 
that happened in all of these games today was that this game came down to the final kick. And that would be in the case of Brissett. Even if Brissett and Hilton are out there, these teams are just destined to play a one-score game. The Colts have done it eight straight weeks. This is who the Colts are. Well, even if he made the kick, you know, you still would have had a chance for Mason Rudolph to lead the Steelers down the field. (laughs) Paris Campbell showed up. Paris Campbell showed up. And Zach Pascoe. He was in the building. He, he Things did not go well for Paris Campbell. They had a lot of package plays for him. Uh, he fumbled one kickoff to open the second quarter. Luckily, Zach Pascoe fell on the ball. And then later that drive, he had a screen pass in the red zone where he would have scored had he not tripped himself and, it, and fallen and fumbled out of bounds. They're, they're in the mix, though. This AFC kind of sixth spot, wild card, whatever it is, it's, it's wide open. So you're going to make me say it? That the Colts kicker is a problem and he's all yeah. name, no game at this point. Mm. I mean, let's uh, yeah. They hit a game well, they last week. They've gone out of their way, orders, right? But he's become a liability. A guy that I don't know if it's a little bit of yips that could catch you at any year, apparently. Uh, but the way he missed, he missed by about twenty-five yards. I think he to missed. Left. He missed. Hit it on the wrong end of his foot. It looked like he kicked it off more. And he kicked more the laces, the and there's a lot of things you could say that Adam Vinatieri kind of got boned on that play. But I also have to say, do you trust him at this point? And if no. you're the Colts, that that would be strong. You every game you play is a three point game. It seems you need a kicker you can trust. There was a go get Kai. There was a play oh, right that's before what this is about. I mean, that's, no, that's your thing. It out there. That's, I mean, the Colts would probably rather not have Kai over. I'm just throwing that's an option. There was a play right before halftime that really came back to haunt the Colts. They were up 16-10. to 10. There wasn't enough time, really, for a field goal. Mason Rudolph hits Vance McDonald at midfield. Darius Leonard, helmet to helmet hit, gives them 15 yards on an untimed down, and Boswell nailed a 51-yard field goal. Those three points ended up being valuable. Mm-hmm. I like that. There was one little Steelers like that. nugget that came out early Sunday. The That'd fact that they were in the race to trade for Le'Veon Bell. I thought, mm, had, had that ever happened, that would be one of the weirdest yes. player exit and then return to teams I can imagine or or remember in my entire life. Well, the, that would seem to tell us that James Conner might be out multiple weeks. I think that's what they thought, but then the prognosis was a little bit better okay. on Connor, So Also, I, I imagine if they just would have been willing to part with a third-round pick, they probably could have gotten Le'Veon. They would, I think get they, Le'Veon Bell, re-sign Antonio Brown. You got to bring the whole... Well, it shows that Bell was never you know, a, a problem as a teammate, and they were always trying to give him that contract that the Jets essentially gave him. It took just took a year off for him to take the contract. <laughs> um, all right, let's head to the uh, NFL Cemetery. It's a dirt nap game. Under center is Wentz. Howard behind him. On first down, it is a handoff. Howard up the middle. Five into the touchdown. Jordan Howard, 13-yard run. That's how you clear an alley. That is an alley right down the middle of that defense created by this offensive line. He runs in for the touchdown. Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. WIP. Oh, yeah. Turn this up. Turn this up in my ears. Show that pit stain. It's like a network cop drama from 71. Carson Wentz threw for 239 yards and a score. Jordan Howard, 82 yards and a score. Eagles, 22-14 win over the Bears. I mean, what can be said about Mitch Trubisky? The Mitch Trubisky-led Bears offense, nine yards in the first half. 
They get two touchdowns in the second half to make it a game. But, Greg, you know, we locked up the Eagles, and it wasn't so much uh, due to our belief in Doug Peterson's topsy-turvy team, but more because the Bears, you know, they actually stank. We did it. They're bad, and uh, we were smart to do that. Yes. They are totally lost. Sorry, Tanton, behind the glass, filling in on the video side. Big Bears fan. Sorry, buddy. He is not a rose-colored glasses uh, Chicago. <laughs> no, he, he's not because he watched it. I mean, in the first five drives, they had negative 10 yards. And so the running game's broken. Trubisky's broken where the Eagles just dared Trubisky to beat him. They're playing press man coverage. They're having one safety back, and they're sometimes throwing those zero blitzes at him, and they're saying, can you beat us? Can you beat us with a throw? And his eyes are going down right away. Right when he sees pressure, they go down, and he holds it. And then he does the Trubisky thing in the second half where he makes the few little believers left think he's got something, makes some nice throws. They get a couple of touchdowns. But in the end, the defense is a little part of the problem here too. They give up an eight minute, 14 second, 16 play oh, come drive on. in the fourth quarter when it matters. And credit Doug Peterson for some good play calls, Carson Wentz, and especially Zach Ertz for coming through throughout. But this Bears defense isn't as good as it used to be. They lost to Keem Hicks a few weeks ago. They lost Eddie Goldman today. And they've been run over by a few teams. Uh, the Raiders did it and the Eagles did it in the first quarter today. And that's why I don't like hearing, well, it's Trubisky. They're tired. It's like, no, that this is three games out of four where the Bears have been run over by an opposing rushing team in the first half of game. Well, I would throw this out too, though, because it's symbiotic. Because you're, if, you're, if you have Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback and your first five or six drives – go for about 15 total Absolutely. plays and for eight total minutes. Well, the, the Eagles turn around. They're for, you mentioned their last drive. Their first two drives were 24 total plays that ate up 14 minutes, and then the third was a touchdown drive. And your defense is going to get tired because they are, even though they are the vaunted Bears defense of a year ago, they are human beings. And to be out there, you're getting gassed, and you're out there for 20-plus minutes of the right. first half against a team in the Eagles that is getting a little bit better on the ground. This is who the Eagles are. They held the ball for 40 minutes. They are a ball control team, good and good and bad. They do not make explosive plays. Deshaun Jackson returned and said he didn't feel right after uh, uh, an early catch, and they decided to, to put him on the sideline for the rest of the game. Yikes. And the Eagles would have won easier if Alshon Jeffrey hadn't dropped three different third-down catches that – killed drives. But this is kind of who they are. They have to work a little harder. They're a running team. And because of that, sometimes the game comes down to the fourth quarter, even when you totally dominate the opponent like today. And even in the second half, it wasn't like the Bears offense, you know, blew up. They had no. 155 yards, average seven yards a play. Um, so it does. Yeah. The offense is the major glaring issue here. But, you know, the on the game icing field goal by the Eagles on third down, the Eagles were able to go four or five. The Bears couldn't get the stop. Maybe the Bears team of last year gets that stop and somehow they go down the field and steal the game they needed. But instead, they've lost four in a row. And we talked about it going into this game, why it was so important, why we're in the cemetery. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Why, I'm with you. Why we should uh, say it's time for a dirt nap for, for the Bears because they are fading. They were 12th place in the conference entering this game and uh, they're not moving up after this week. So they... Something magical has to happen. What's to like? Point. They have no one to turn to at quarterback, and they have a defense that can't carry a quarterbackless offense. Right, and me talking about the defense is just pointing out they're not a historic defense. They're just one of those good top seven or eight defenses, and that's not enough in, in 2019. I think we could see Chase Daniel 
I think it's at that level mm. that we could see Chase Daniel because oh, bueno. I think that gives him a better. What if it's only for a game or two to let Mitch Trubisky like right. calm down and and you know come out from under the microscope for a little bit? Right. I mean Chicago, you know, and I, understandably that fan base was thinking NFC title game if things go right and we have a chance at the Super Bowl. You have a very potentially uh, shaky active offseason coming up, depending on how they self-scout their offense specifically. But this is that time of year where if you're Matt Nagy's family, like dad is starting to walk around the house in a bad mood and you're going to have to monitor that. Well, I mean, you know, it's in, <laughs> that hasn't in September and in October, there's still hope. But I think this was a decisive turn yeah. into darkness and Dan's calling it death. So I mean, His that's our demeanor. Well, not the people, but the playoff experience. No coach looks more miserable, I would say, on the sideline right now than Nagy. He just looks <laughs> sad. And I did, Watch a Jet game. Well, I, today pro- produced a yeah, few, but yeah. Case is up there. But I would... <laughs> Say with the Eagles, they've they're getting to their bye week at five and four. It's been rocky, but one thing I thought watching this game was that they're closer to the team they expected to be now because they had their top three cornerbacks all playing: Avante Maddox, Jalen Mills, and Ronald Darby. None of those guys were there three weeks ago. Timmy Jernigan is back. Uh, they trade for Jannard Avery, who barely played for them, but he got a sack in in a few snaps. So it's a little different team. You maybe get Jason Peters back. They. St- they really stymied the, the Bears' pass rush, including nice. Khalil Mack. So nice use of stymie. They're doing mm. a good job. Good stymie. <laughs> All right, guys, you know what time it is. Stymie, it's red. one of our favorite parts of the Sunday experience. It is time now for Road to Victory, presented by the United States Marine Corps. Three receivers to the right side. Fournette in the backfield. Minshew shotgun. One tight end lined up left. That's DeVal. Minshew on third and eight from the Houston 49. Gets the snap. Has time. Fires downfield. It's picked off by Adai. Jaleel Adai with the pick at the 32-yard line. He's brought down there by Cole. And the Texans take it away. Mark Vandermeer. Wow, that was an aggressive run. <laughs> And Andre Ware of KILT with the call. No J.J. Watt, no problem for the Texans defense, which forced Gardner Minshew into four turnovers in the final four possessions of the game. A 26-3 win at Wembley Stadium uh, for Houston. Closes out the 2019 London Series for the NFL. Well done, UK. Uh, The Houston defense added three sacks and allowed most of Jacksonville's yardage in garbage time. So the Texans hit their bye week. They're back in sole possession of first place in the AFC South. Mm. And this game, to me, really illuminated um, two things. They're not all J.J. Watt uh, on defense. They can turn it up if they have to. And also how the advantage of quarterback, Deshaun Watson, is so much better than the other quarterbacks in the division. That's why I think they're going to end up winning this uh, division in a walk. Hmm. I think there's a really noticeable contrast in third downs in this game. I, I didn't, they didn't look like two totally uneven teams, but the Texans are doing these run-pass options on third downs. And when the initial play, when he chooses pass, isn't there, Watson just finds a way to make a play, and there's no defense against that. Whereas Minshew was a little more tentative in this game and, more importantly, was always in a third and long. They kept running and they kept failing on early downs. And I, I saw a stat. There was one third and four, and then every other third and long was third and six or more, a lot of them third and ten or more. And he 
wasn't willing to pull the trigger quite as much today and wasn't comfortable with what he was seeing. And I think you give uh, a veteran defensive coordinator in Romeo Cornell some credit for that because he seemed to have Minshew spooked. Right. The Texans, without J.J. Watt, arguably this was their finest defensive outing of the year. And I think they pushed Gardner Minshew into a scenario late where he was was forced to try to make plays when they were in a hot water. Like a rookie. It happens. He looks like a rookie, but, yeah. uh, but I, you know, what I don't want to delve into is, and I, I think that we are getting there, where when Bob, Bill O'Brien says after the game, he's going to decide by next, you know, during the bye week, who's going to start a quarterback. Doug Marone. Doug Marone, sorry. Doug Marone. That it's, it's, it's probably going to be Foles at this point. Well, let's listen to what Marone had to sure. say after the game when asked about it, because Nick Foles, of course, who exited week one with a clavicle injury, should be ready after the bye. And, um, and Marone left the door open. Well, Gene, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to either quarterback yet. Um, and I hate, you know, talking to the media with my plans. But, you know, my plans were, is, again, the disappointment of the team, you know, not performing well will be uh, on my mind now for the next 48 hours. I think after those 48 hours are over, I'm, I'm going to step away a little bit and take a, a break because I don't have to make a decision or have time. Um, that's what I'm going to talk to the quarterbacks about. And then I'll tell them uh, probably right before we come back on Sunday, uh, we'll be able to discuss uh, where we're going to go. That's pretty much my plan. That sounds like Foles is playing. It, it, uh, just one quick thing, and then you guys can, you can go where you want with it. But like, I think with Foles... Like, it's an organizational thing. You have to see Foles, and Greg and I were talking about this morning, because of what you've invested already. But the idea that Gardner Minshew has played himself out of the job because of today, for instance, he's outplayed a flock of first-round, first- and second-year quarterbacks that aren't doing anything close to what he's done at this time. He's He's been fantastic. He's been a rookie nice of the year material that I think is not viewed fairly because he's a bit of a media sensation at the same time. I could understand the decision either way with this one. I, I don't think this one needs any hot takes. Like, if they go with Foles, that's fine. If they go with Minshew, right. that's fine, too. I agree, and maybe we'll get into it during the week. But the reason why I'm not surprised they would go with Foles is this Jaguars defense isn't special anymore. It's fine. You know, they have three pass rushers. That's pretty good. But other than that, what are they doing? I mean, that's Carlos a- Hyde makes every defense look bad. I, I guess so. Do you remember him having a second gear like that? No. And, and so they've got to move that ball to the other hand by the sideline, by the way. <laughs> Get in the end zone, Carlos. If their defense is just okay, the O-line is definitely not great. And maybe that'll hurt Nick Foles if he comes in. Minshew's done a good job kind of coping with that. Who's got the higher ceiling? And I don't think you can discount the ceiling that we've seen out of Nick Foles either, that his best, and we saw it in this, you know, as one of the great Super Bowl performances ever, but a really great stretch run last year too, is, is pretty high. And I think you want to see him because if you don't see him, then you're just moving on from him after this season. That's fair. And I think Minshew's going to be there for four years, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see Foles and then Minshew's their quarterback next year It's just a unique anyways. situation. And it feels like 100 years ago, but there was a time when Nick Foles was a young quarterback that was fairly unheralded, and he had 27 touchdowns and two <laughs> interceptions or whatever it is. And this was kind of framed as his first like real crack at leading a franchise. Um, it makes sense to me. I don't think it's going to be a popular um, decision if it goes down the way it seems to with the organi- with the fans because we've got like 
that stadium, for instance, that's essentially a home game. Well, it was literally a home game for the Jaguars, but also a lot of Jaguars fans in the U.K. Everyone with their number 15 jerseys that they spent $60 on and they have the mustaches on, he has captured the imagination of that fan base. I would imagine there's going to be some pushback if they move away, but they do have a head coach in Marone. He is like Bill O'Brien. He doesn't care. He, he's not going to factor in what the fans think, nor should he. Um, but it seems I would be surprised he's if it's to not save his job. He, to, he also, yeah, that's true. But he has to. He does have to factor in what the locker room thinks. I would imagine he also seems like a coach that might not care about that either, based on past Doug Marone experiences. The Texans have swept the Jags. I mean, this was a big win just in the AFC South race. Yes. Let us uh, move on. But before we do, that was the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right, let's move on to one of the more puzzling results of uh, Sunday's football action. I formation, Rivers under center, Derek Watt, Melvin Gordon, seven offensive linemen. Hey, it's money. On a fourth and goal, hands to Gordon, pushes into the end zone, touchdown, Chargers! Melvin Gordon with his second one-yard dive of the game. Chargers have found a running game. Melvin Gordon, short yardage, no problem. Drop your pads and power right through. Drop the audio. Once Money finished his input highlight, we do not need the other guy in the booth. Who? Daniel Jeremiah. Don't need him. I'm going to put that on Matt Tatton. He's just he's filling in for some ill people. He doesn't know your feelings about <laughs> We have a rule, sticks. a hard and fast rule. No Daniel Jeremiah on this show. I don't know about well, we. I do. Yeah, I would say we is is stretching it. So that's okay. <laughs> anyway. This thing has really had staying power. <laughs> Wes is a fan. <laughs> I like it by now. <laughs> Melvin Gordon scored twice from one yard out, including that plunge in the second half. And uh, Michael Badgley. Good for you, Mike Badgley. Four field goals. The Chargers dominate the Packers 26-11 at the big dignity. What do you think about that? The big dignity. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I was also thinking about at the big, works. at the big healthy. At the you know. oh, I like big healthy. Yeah, <laughs> super healthy. The super healthy. No, big healthy. Big healthy. Big healthy. Big dignity though. That's kind of interesting too. Yeah, it's tricky. All I right, think big, big healthy. Let's workshop works. that one. Anyway, it stops a three-game losing streak uh, for the Chargers. West, but we have to know though what the hell happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense in this one. This was a hammer drop, just an absolute what? hammer drop of a game, and to me says more about the Chargers and what they are now as opposed to a couple weeks ago Mm. uh, versus what it says about the Packers. I think you have a healthy Melvin Ingram, which you didn't have a few weeks ago. Melvin Gordon looked more explosive, elusive, and decisive today than he has at any point this year by far. He just looked like a different player. Um, Russell Okung's back. Hunter Henry is playing really well. All these guys who weren't playing or playing poorly for the Chargers have transformed this team. This looked like a totally different team. It was one of Phillip Rivers' best games of the year, his ball placement, uh, his ability to get rid of the ball really quickly. And then Joey Bosa, I mean, I guess he could be battling his brother for an all-pro berth. He's having just as good of a year as Nick Bosa, and he lived in the Packers' backfield in this game. Um, you don't often hear a head coach after the game say, we never even had a chance to get into our game plan. And that's what Matt LaFleur said. It seemed like every third down, the Packers couldn't convert, so they never had the ball. And one of the Jim Nance nuggets in this game was this Nance was, Nug? He had a couple good ones. Uh, but this was the first time an Aaron, Red- Aaron Rodgers-led offense did not top 100 yards by the end of the third quarter. Wow. Yeah, it was Whoa. It was 329 to 60 in yards late in the third quarter. That 
is the most surprising yardage total, and this is right up there with the most surprising games to me of the entire NFL season. I agree. Just in terms of the dominance because the Chargers hadn't shown us anything like this all year. I don't think you'll watch this game and say, oh, you know, the Chargers are flying around and, and really hitting people hard and swarming everything. The Packers just couldn't get anything accomplished on third downs. Mm. And I That's- imagine that Bill at the at the big health or the big healthy or the big dignity, that had to be filled with cheese heads. It was. And that didn't matter, obviously, because the Packers couldn't do a damn thing. Yeah, I just had a vision of one of the Cheeseheads who was shirtless with suspenders and some goofy hat at the end of the game just looking miserable. I get it. <laughs> Probably shelled out a lot of money. Yeah. The, the Packers' defense, at least defending the run, is a problem. I know Gordon, he did look better, I think, in his touchdown run last week, too, and, and I'm sure he did today. But they're kind of that team that if you've got a running game problem— Face the Packers, and they'll solve it for you. I mean, every every week it's like that. They hadn't topped the Chargers hadn't topped forty yards, you know, since week four uh, on the ground, and they put one fifty nine on the Packers. And uh, I don't know. I guess they should fire Ken Wisenhunt more often. You know, it's like <laughs> it, to work. it worked great. I, I take back what I. I said. mean, they're not the first team mean. to go down that avenue. Just call them up change, again tonight. Do it again. As long well, as you keep paying them. I thought they looked more in sync. I mean, it's hard to pay attention too much to play calling during a game, but they looked more in sync, and one of the beat writers said they were getting the plays in a lot quicker and allowing Rivers to make Mm. quicker decisions at the line of scrimmage. Just so baffling because we just finished talking about, you know, this great Packers stretch that they've been on uh, before the loss today and how they've been able to turn Aaron Jones into this dual-threat superstar. Well, he doesn't do anything. And then uh, Devontae Adams had missed all that time. Then he comes back, and he's the most targeted receiver, but it's in their worst offensive performance in uh, six weeks. So sometimes, you know, this is good. This is a good thing about sports, though. Sometimes it's good to have these, like, screwball things that just let everybody know you don't really know anything and anything can happen. (laughs) Any given Sunday is a term I've come up with. On any (laughs) given Sunday – Something can change the, the, the way you, you look at Talk this. to the NFL about that. You yeah. should trademark that like Michael Badgley trademarked Money Badger. Oh, well, yeah. What about, <laughs> what about even even crazier, uh, up in New England, they're using Quiet Storm for Stefan Gilmore, which does not sit well. Well, they had a Quiet user. Storm a year ago in a different player, and so they've now gone down the road with Trey two. Flower, it was Trey Flowers. Trey yeah. Flowers was Quiet this Storm. This is our IP. It's it's shocking to me that the Patriots are not respecting our podcast. I don't. That's something I'm struggling to process. Or aren't respecting others. Period. Should I get back on the Chargers bandwagon? Yeah, go ahead. Here, Wes. Really? Go ahead. Get I'm on. just saying. They, it, of uh, they're four and five, and like we said, the, it, of all the teams where there are a lot of teams oh, like this it. every year, where you can just like throw out the first half of the year. Do they have? people on their roster that could make you believe and they go on a second half run? Sure. I, I, b- I believe that. And you will have the starting safeties ostensibly will come back at some point, Derwin James and Adrian Phillips. And that would be, to me, the final pieces on that defense. You saw a transformed defense today. Mm-hmm. Joey Bosa is really playing as well as Nick Bosa, I think. We, it's only like twice in our lives we're brothers on the, uh, in the same league at the same time or this dominant. I would allow them both – into the Pro Bowl as one entity and one plays the first half, one plays the second, or to be a double all-pro vote because it's like, let's be rules associated and rules dominant, but like it's going to happen never again in our life. What about a double DPOI? Have the brothers share the the big award. 
I like that. I mean, that's when you have children, you hope this is what happens with your children where you, you hit, you know, late 50s or something. Both your children are raging uh, income earning professionals <laughs> and you just sit back in like expensive rocking chairs. You know what this <laughs> game reminded me? Remember our old fork segment? Yeah, of course. This reminded me of Greg would always argue never to fork anyone because they could, you know, come alive. This yeah. is this was a team that we may have forked or come close to forking and they look like they could slide into a six seed. Yep, I agree. And one last thing before we move on, Wes. Anything to be concerned about with the Packers here or just a bad day? I, I would chalk it up to a speed bump. I think Greg's right that their defense has not been the last month what it was the first month. So that's an issue. Um, but I, I chalk it up to things just, just did not go their way. These third down bombs that Roger's been throwing and people have been making great catches. He's been putting right on people's hands. They didn't complete any of those today. So, I mean, some of that is just randomness, but they got thoroughly outplayed. And I think it was one of those games where you just shake it off and bounce back. You next can't week. just roll into big healthy and have your way. Mm-mm. That's something that we learned today. Mm-mm. You'll lose your day. Only three more left in the big health. What is it? The big dignity. I don't know. Big <laughs> The little dignity. Three more forever. All right. Mark, you went to the first game there. I did. You what a go, celebration you that go was. go to the last game. It's going to button it up. How did well, it, how I guess no, I get goosebumps I, thinking yeah. about Mark's trip to the big dignity. Another article of mine that I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm certain you've not read. Let's move on. <laughs> you wrote an article about it? That's Here's cool. your fourth Get out of here. Here's go home. Thing. Play action. And Stafford fires back of the end zone. Incomplete. Incomplete. Incomplete! Three seconds left. Easy, Brett. Joseph made a great An older man. Not falling for the fake. Responded. I've been critical of his coverage all season, but he did a magnificent job on that last play. How magnanimous of Lincoln Kennedy and his partner, Brent Musburger of KGMZ. I do, I have to say, I love hearing Brent Musburger's voice. I know he had, you know, some people, he had the issue with the Alabama quarterback a few years back. Caught some heat for that. I was like, oh, she's quite a looker. Oh, AJ McCarron and yeah. uh, Catherine He's Webb. He's had some issues on, on social media. but yeah. And he maybe went a little too hard into the Vegas thing. He's like, I love gambling. That was a little weird when he did that. But you know what? Well, he owns a gambling company, so he's still very right. much in that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He, he sounds like... Greg, Greg has no issues with that part of him, by the way. Go make your money, Brent. He sounds like uh, childhood to me, and I'm sure you guys It's just get collective it. memory. It's not uh, recent experiences with the man, per, per se. Carl Joseph broke up a fourth down Matthew Stafford pass in the end zone with three seconds to play, giving the Raiders a 31-24 win over the Lions. This is the first game played at the Black Hole in seven weeks, and uh, Derek Carr put the Raiders ahead with two minutes to play on a touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro, who's slowly getting out of Greg Rosenthal's unfair doghouse. <laughs> Greg, the Raiders, you know, they're fun, and so is this game. It was the game of the day. Disrespectful to put it so far down in the order, but I get it. It's all, in the middle, it's all these AFC West teams in a row. You know, people say, oh, the NFC is way better. Well, it is. But today, the, you, Matt Moore, the backup of the Chiefs, they take out uh, the Vikings. The Packers can't get even close against the Chargers. And here's Oakland beating an NFC team, the Lions. And I think you got to start with Derek Carr and the offensive line. The combination of those two factors have made this team very watchable. He got sacked today for the first time since week four. Whoa. Whoa. That's outrageous. They were missing their starting center, Rodney Hudson. And then they lost Trent Brown, their right tackle, early in the game. So that's big-time concern later in the season. Uh, but it didn't. you didn't notice it today. And – 
I think no quarterback is more different when he has pressure on him than when he's well-protected than Derek Carr. Because when he's protected like he has been this season, especially today, he makes some pretty throws, and he made a number of them today. It was back and forth, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Are there some people out there who might owe Tom Cable an apology? <laughs> the offensive line. I mean, I mean, he owes a lot of people apologies. I mean, well, I'm fine that we. Steven. I'm fine yes. that I picked on how poor his offensive line produced year after year after year. Uh, but he's know. done a great job. This he's year. he's been everybody's whipping boy on Twitter because he can't coach offensive line according to Twitter. But this offensive line is doing really well. It, it is, and because of that, Cars had time to look and. And there was a third and 11 throw to Tyrell Williams that kept a touchdown drive going that was just outrageous. Their game-winning touchdown drive was all to Jalen Richard for a while. And then it's to Renfro to, for the game winner where Carr has to make a play late in the down. John Gruden's having fun calling plays, and he's doing a great job doing it. And he didn't face that much opposition here with Detroit. I mean, I was surprised this game didn't go to overtime because neither defense could get any pressure and neither defense is very good, and I just figured this is 31-31 overtime. Well, I think, well, I think the apologies might extend to, to John Gruden as well, who I know I've had fun at his expense multiple times. I'll throw my hat in that one. But you mentioned the defense, and that's my concern with Oakland's overall journey here is that you're regularly – you're giving up five, 400 yards passing. I, they're not The pass rush isn't there. It just feels like a fatal – a well, fatal not, flaw potential. We, I don't think any of us agree that they're, you know, a special team or a, a playoff darling. No, but they're in the mix. They're but in the mix. They're you an know. entertaining team that's going to play some back and forth, some high scoring games. And and one guy I want to point out because we talked about it, Wes. You, you got on me a little bit because I, I see Kyler Murray as a potential offensive player of the year still for rookies. Um, and you threw out Gardner Minshew as a guy that you guys would get behind. I think Josh Jacobs has got to be the guy. I mean, right now, what he's doing on a weekly base, basis for this team, he is a bell cow back. He's 21 years old, and he runs like a madman. 28 for 120 and two touchdowns. And this is just something every week they can count on Jacobs giving them good yardage and helping the offense stay functional. Yeah, I get more impressed with him every week. He just seems to get better and better. I, I'm the same. I thought this was his best game. There were a lot of plays that should have been negative yardage where he ends up getting two, three, four. He's got that jump cut. He's running more decisively. I, I think you're right. Well, the yeah, way and I think he's the offensive. I'm right that yeah. I was wrong. I have no, no problem with that. But the, if it's all things being equal, the degree of difficulty to come in as a rookie quarterback Absolutely. Is, is something that I think wins that award over and over for those guys. Yeah, it, it does. If Minshew gets banned, who knows? It doesn't even that that part of it doesn't matter. I just am impressed of how much this guy has changed this team in Josh Jacobs. And it's good Mayock for them to nail some, to nail some draft picks. I mean, had, if, you know, they have some young players. They have they, a really good rookie class, right? That was important though. I mean, because you're talking the revert- about their pass rush, they maybe didn't nail the first pick. It's still very early, obviously. Right. But uh, on balance, this yes, well, they like lost an excellent their draft. rookie safety, who I think would have made a big difference in this defense too. Didn't rookies score all four of their touchdowns in this game, I believe? Yeah, uh, yeah, Fabian Moreau had another big touchdown. This team is really interesting because you're right. I don't think they have any chance to win a Super Bowl or probably even the AFC Championship game. But to me, football seasons aren't like that. You know, you can get value out of teams that that win 10 games. They have two more games here in the black hole in a row. Chargers on Thursday night, which is a a spicy Thursday night football suddenly because they both need that win. Then the Bengals at the black hole. Then the Jets. You know, if they can put together these wins at home in their final season of Oakland and sneak into a playoff spot, that's going to be like a magical moment, and it would be a nice way to send that crowd out. 
Mm, I like it. All right, let us move on to the team of Sestiel. <laughs> and I'll talk about Second the team that won this the game. Six, play action fake. Josh Allen fires into the end zone, caught by Beasley. Touchdown, Buffalo. Cole Beasley, three touchdowns in three straight games for him. And the Bills strike first with a six-yard pass from Josh Allen. Cole Beasley jumps up in the stands now, being harassed by Bills fans. Incredible sight to see. This was an incredible route on the outside by Cole Beasley. So incredible. John Murphy, Eric Wood, WGR with the call. Yes, Josh Allen and Cole Beasley. All the Allen quarterbacks won Sunday. Josh, Kyle, Brandon. That's only happened five other times in NFL history. (laughs) It's incredible. I have um, a close cousin of mine is Mike Allen, his brothers Eric, and Stu, the father. I texted them. I said, guys, big day, big Sunday. (laughs) Big day for Stu Allen. (laughs) All right, Josh Allen and Cole Bisley connected for a second straight week, and rookie Devin Singletary had 95 yards rushing, including a two-yard score. The Bills coast 24-9 over Washington in Western New York. Mark, we asked the Bills to land a hammer on a bad Washington team. Did this qualify? No, I don't think it would qualify at all as a hammering. It, the game played to expectations in the sense that, you know, you mentioned my favorite team, the team of Mark Tiel, did you call it? it? That is because I love what the Redskins essentially have committed themselves to. Uh, and we'll get to the team that won this in a second. But Washington, <laughs> three games in a row, is. I think they're basically saying we are not going to be, even if we are flying home, we are not going to miss 60 minutes tonight. We are not going to miss anything about what normally would happen from 4 p.m. Your on Your favorite Sunday. game, yes or no, is a non-competitive game that ends quickly. That's football. That is what I like when I am covering. <laughs> no, I thought this would be my second game uh, at the 10 a.m. slot on the West Coast, and it was the only game I was covering. It did not quite check all the boxes from that angle, but it finished in about two hours and 40-something minutes. Two weeks ago, incredible. they set the fastest game record in over a decade with a two-hour, 36-game affair, and then they had a game couched in between that was very similar, and it's because they are committed to essentially basing an offense around Adrian Peterson, who, you know, a lot of people wrote him off. He looked great today. He looked really, he had 100 yards plus in the first half. You had Dwayne Haskins as your rookie starter, and I think they really were just, that's frustrating because I think even for Dwayne Haskins, they seemed, it's hard to get a read on a quarterback in an offense that has about 10 plays in their playbook, and they aren't really letting him just sort of go for it and wing it. That'll hurt you in the NFL. I like his arm, but you're right. It will hurt you because this is the least creative offensive attack that I've maybe ever seen. But they're committed to it, and I appreciate that. (laughs) And like Bill Callahan, he replaced a Gruden brother. So you would imagine there's a playbook in there somewhere that has some yeah, it's, plays. It, it's all about and, the running game. But it's, a, it's that's what they he's just known used for. the personnel that they don't trust. Right? They use that's page of A of the running attack part of the playbook, I think, and they're just I, the Bills. To me, my one concern is a lack of ability to close certain games. They, in the second half of this thing, got shut down in the red zone. Uh, Gore has struggled today. And the one thing that I took away from the Bills is they seem now committed down the stretch to use Devin Singletary, who led the team with 20 carries, as 
someone that they're going to lean on more and more. And he's not perfect, but he is more explosive than anyone else they have at running back right now. Should we head back to NFL Cemetery and take Frank Gore with us? Oh, no, no. no. You're having a great season. Frank Gore was stuffed on, on, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and short three or four times in this game. One on on an early third quarter drive that just ended in downs because Gore was stuffed. And it was just not a great look for him. And the Bills should have won this game. They should have been up by three-plus touchdowns at various points. And it was like 17 to 9. It was a one score game for way too long because they just don't have the parts in place to put people away the way you asked if that's what they did. The yards were even. You know, the, yeah, it and looked that way too. Haskins, they didn't have a you know, wide receiver catch a pass over 13 yards. But you look at the stats and it's like, well, he averaged seven yards per attempt. It, it wasn't a total disaster. The Bills are 6-0 and against teams below 500, 0-2 against teams above 500. Uh, but three, right. three of the Bills' remaining eight games are against teams currently above 500. So again, we, and we've been saying this, um, that if they just play to this, how they've been doing so far, just beat bad teams, and maybe you don't beat the good teams, you go 11-5. They're going 11-5, barring... And then Some we'll see you probably quickly. We'll see you quickly out of the playoff tournament. But again, who knows? You never know. It's some of these other AFC teams we've talked about. Look at the Chargers today. You never know what happens. You get the Bills in January. You get that defense hyped up in a, a cold weather game. I see a little Brian Westbrook and Devin Singletary. Remember him, Eagles? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see that. Let's move on. I see it too, Wes. Thank you, Dan. Double really shift both the on the right back. shoulder to shoulder. McCaffrey right up the oh. middle. Running free may score. To the 40, to the 30, foot race, 20, to the 10-yard line. Yes, sir, he scores a touchdown. Foot speed, I mean, in the open field, just dragging for the last five yards. Adore Jackson into the end zone. 58-yard touchdown run. The great Mick Mixon of WBT with the call. CMC for MVP. Christian McCaffrey continued to build on his phenomenal 2019 Going off for a buck 66 and three touches. That's 166 yards from scrimmage. Panthers, a 30 to 20 win over the Titans in Charlotte West. The Panthers were embarrassed by the Niners a week ago. You always want to you want to follow uh, the bury the ball game with a get right game, and that's what happened today. So many games. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that complicated. By the way, Mick Mixon sounds like a competitive barbecue circuit guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this was a get-right game, I think. I-, I was starting to doubt Kyle Allen big time. And I'm not saying he looked like, you know, the prime of Jake DeLone back there. Is that a compliment? Greg, I'm not talking about the decline phase. I'm talking about the prime oh, of the Jake Oh, the good Jake Hey, uh, how about the guy who lit Super up the Bowl 37. Super Bowl, Jake DeLone. Yeah. That Jake DeLone. That guy could play. He made some pretty Southern throws. Southern slinger. And we've seen in his best starts, he's got some nice touch and ball placement. And he had that today, and then Christian McCaffrey just took over. But this was also a – the Titans never had the ball. It was 17 to nothing, and at that point, the Panthers had run 41 plays. The Titans had run only 14. Deion Lewis, who has really given the Titans very little this year, fumbled. A.J. Brown dropped a pass that turned into an easy interception. Oof. And those two plays really broke the back of the Titans in the first half and never gave them, gave them a chance to stay in this game. Mm. The separation right now in the AFC South is noticeable. The Titans and the Jags now two losses behind. That's pretty significant. The Titans are a team that if you look beyond the numbers, kind of at the underlying yards per play, the DVOA, football outsiders, pretty much anyone with the advanced metrics, 
say they were, they were a much worse team than a 4-4 four and four team, that they're closer to a, the 23rd, 24th best team in the league. And I thought this was a good test. Two teams that should be pretty even. You got Kyle Allen starting for Carolina, and it's not that close. Well, they're not even because of Christian McCaffrey, I think. He's he's just the best player in this game by far. And then I think Titans fans have the pitchforks and torches out for, for the offensive coordinator, first-year guy, Arthur Smith. They've really done – they have no identity on offense. They haven't done much. And I don't know how much of that is just that the offensive line – they changed quarterbacks, and the offensive line is still a mess. Mm. You're going to come after Art because he's working with Mariota and Tannehill. All right. I mean, they've changed offensive coordinators almost every year. He might be the Mariota of coordinators. That's certainly possible. <laughs> I want to point two things out about McCaffrey to put this into some, you know, historic, um, you know, uh, looking at this historically. So the only way you can win MVP as a running back is you have to have a historic season. And McCaffrey joins Jim Brown, your boy, Mark, uh, in 1963. Is the only players in NFL history with 150-plus yards from scrimmage and – one at least one scrimmage touchdown in six of eight games. And now this for the guys that built Roto World brick by brick. That was Greg. Greg Wes. Listen to this. What is the greatest fantasy season in the history of mankind? Mm, at would, least this century. I would guess LaDainian Tomlinson's like 30 touchdown season. Yes, 2006. Uh, he had 483 points for the Chargers. Nailed it. Unbelievable. McCaffrey on pace for 493 points. He's on pace to have the greatest fantasy season of all time. Um, now, what does that mean? Maybe nothing to the people in this room. You guys have moved on. You look at you. You believe yourself to be above fantasy. That's not true. But <laughs> for the 500 million people that play fantasy, he, what he's doing has never been done before. And that's how you win MVP. You have a season for the ages at running back. I think if they took a vote today. He would come in second place to Russell Wilson. I changed. I changed my mind, but I think that that's how the voters would go. That he would have a significant amount of support. Watson would have some, and I think Wilson would have Rogers. Oh, so well, far, even with today's tough game, he's got to be in the conversation. Too. I think he probably dropped to like fourth or fifth after today. I mean, also if you're voting on this stuff, you're probably not necessarily watching coaches' tape on every player in the league week after week, right. and so. The Christian McCaffrey experience is that every week he does two or three things that look like nothing else we've ever seen from a running back in the NFL. Oh, we got the return of Riverboat today. Mm. Oh, good. Goes for fourth and two, and, and there, it ended up a seven-yard touchdown to McCaffrey, and then had a fake punt late in the game that caught the Titans off guard. That's good because Riverboat certainly took the Niners game off. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Riverboat's had well, a nice, nice little run here. Oh, oh, and two, and staring at getting fired. They're, they're what? What are they now with Kyle Allen? Five and one. He's always staring at getting fired. It's pretty wild. Uh, Mark, uh, got to head back to the cemetery. Okay. Blitz on the way. Mayfield in the pocket throws across the route. Is dropped at the twenty. Landry had it in his hands, and then the collision with Devontae Harris, he couldn't hang on. Kareem Jackson there as well, and the Denver defense makes a huge stop with 3.19 left. Man, they needed that. Oh. Dave Logan and Rick Lewis of KOA with the call. Yes, that Broncos defense throttled Baker Mayfield and friends all afternoon, forcing the Browns to settle for four field goals all when they were in close uh, to the end zone, and two stops on fourth down, including one that I know Mark is going to want to talk about. 24-19 is the final. The Broncos beat the Browns at mile high. Mark, we called this a potential dirt nap game for the Browns, and and then you let Brandon Allen and the Broncos 
uh, get you. Summon the Undertaker. Yeah, it's. I think that the Browns season has been one of, if you're a bit of a snake-bit Cleveland fan of a certain age, you go into each of these weeks with the hope factor diminishing and being chipped away, and you start to, during the course of the week, imagine the worst-case scenario, and it seems to be coming true week after week, where Brandon Allen was the quarterback in this game, who got a ton of help in terms of yards after the catch, but also made some money throws. I mean, he also at times looked completely out of place, but he did not throw an interception. He did not completely unspool Denver's offense against a Browns defense that I thought did not show up today when, it, when they needed the most to. And on offense, you mentioned it. They drove down Baker Mayfield and the Browns to Denver's 21-yard line, to their 12 twice, to their 9 and to their five, came away with 12 points off of that. And the play that you're mentioning is a critical fourth down conversion attempt where Baker Mayfield with Nick Chubb off the field wiggled around center to essentially try a quarterback sneak. I thought from every replay angle, it looked to me like he, like he got it. And that widely, it was a, the, the broadcasters felt the same way. And they were not rewarded the first down. And I think the game essentially... They challenged it, and they did not get They challenged it, and Freddie Kitchens, who has been under a ton of fire in general, obviously, for what's happened this season, his record with these challenges is becoming something anti-historic. So it is a rough loss for Cleveland, uh, but a lot of credit to Denver because I thought they had a whole different energy with Brandon Allen in there. And they needed a bit of a change at quarterback. We know that. But guys like Noah Fant showed up for the first time all season. Philip Lindsay played a great game too. It doesn't quite look that way if you look at his at his box score. But, I mean, he was fantastic down the stretch. And they won a game against a team that I'm not sure. You can look at Cleveland's schedule and say, it's so easy from here on out. It's easy to play the Browns right now. They shoot themselves in the foot, can't close drives, and seem to have a different part of the team not show up on a weekly basis. Mm. It seemed like Odell Beckham was frustrated after the game. I know at one point James Palmer said that he came off the field and basically expressed, it doesn't matter what I do, I can't get the ball thrown to me. That was on that fourth and four play late. Yeah, I think that they, during the week, you know, Odell Beckham talked about the fact that he and Baker Mayfield never really developed that chemistry prior to week one, and it hasn't shown up. And they mentioned during the game that Odell Beckham basically wants the quarterback to throw it to him in traffic and give him a chance to do what he does. And that's not happening. They have been out of sync from wire to wire. And it's, 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 I can't believe it's already November. It just this has been a bad Brown season and it's I'm never listening to another bit of off season fantasy nonsense ever again about what a team's gonna do until it's actually happening. It's all media conjured BS. I'm well Beckham, you that anymore. it's it's on some level not shocking that that they're not in sync. They didn't practice at all the entire off season. Some of that was by uh, choice. It's week nine. Some of that was by choice with Beckham, and then the rest was injury. You know, in training camp, they did throw to him six times. He caught five for eighty-seven. That's extremely efficient. If you did that every week, you would love. I mean, is this because Baker Mayfield's just not playing well? He's not playing well. I think, I think that's he's, the main. I think this. Is I think a, Beckham hasn't Beckham come down with 
uh, a number of 50-50 balls this year. I would, it's probably just five or six, but it just is so, you know it's noticeable that he normally does, but it's mostly Baker. And Beckham is going to be in the news again because this has been the one thing he has found himself in the news with with his fashion choices. He wore Joker cleats. Him and Jarvis Landry both wore cleats that are not allowed by the league. And I'm not going to be the, one of those guys that like, oh, this guy has no respect for the game and he only cares about himself. Uh, but... As what I imagine is going to happen is he will go out in the media and say how he's being persecuted and stuff. It's just like it—it it is not a great look when you're wearing the Joker cleats and you're two and six and you're not making the game-changing plays you're brought to the team to do. It has just been a really that, bad debut season. Uh, yes, that's fine. I would say this: that in general, Odell Beckham has, compared to some of the stuff that happened with the New York Giants not been a problem on this team at all. The team, the issues with the Cleveland Browns extend far beyond fashion choices. I agree. Right? But I, I just want you. to say like that, and this room would kill Eli Manning. It was time for Eli to go. But Beckham has gone to Cleveland. He's no longer an exciting player. He makes a play here and there, but he was one of the most exciting players we've seen in 20 years. That to me is one of the most shocking things of yeah. the 2019 uh, season. You can't I agree. build your offense around a wide receiver. I agree. I, I've been very disappointed by that connection, Baker and, and Odell. Well, I yeah, had much higher expectations for them. It's the the Browns' offense is one of the most shocking units in the entire NFL. It's one of the wor- worst five or six offenses. I, I wouldn't imagine that in a million years. Even today, they where they run seventy three plays, they still only get three hundred and fifty one yards out of it. It's like Brandon Allen comes in, they put up twenty four points. That matches their season high. They only had nine drives. Now it wasn't all perfect, but they hit some. Big plays. It's it's just wild. Though. They, it's last wild. year, their recipe was explosive downfield passing action, and it's all withered away. I'm going to ask you a question right now on November 3rd, Mark. On January 1st, is Freddie Kitchens the coach of the Browns? I think he is. I think he is. So he'll get a second year. Just because the organization has made so many changes. All right, here's a guy who I don't think will get a second year. Let's move on. Mm. Back to throw Fitzpatrick, looking, flips it back, shoulder, caught, touchdown! It's Devontae Parker, what a catch! He takes the touch, shoulder. he makes the tough catches, the easy ones he drops. Hey, listen, I'll take that one right there, Bob, that's a touchdown. <laughs> All right, he caught that ball one-handed. Yeah, he did, boy, that was nice. Jimmy Cephalo and Bob Greasy, WQAM with the call, Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's magic. Three touchdown passes, two of them to rookie Preston Williams. And Miami gets its first win of the season by beating former coach Adam Gase and the New York Jets. Final score 26-18 to at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, the Dolphins, who have been... It's been explained to us and speculated based on the moves Miami's made that they are actively attempting to land the number one overall pick, that this is the organic fish tank. Uh, well, they met their match uh, with the Jets, who are just one of those special franchises that somehow are now in the lead over the Dolphins for the number one overall pick. I believe the Jets are currently uh, would pick third and the Dolphins fourth. Uh, and and I you give credit to Brian Flores, who's the head coach of the Dolphins, who signed a big contract to take over that team and was handed an absolute disaster scenario and things could not have started worse. It was still the worst start for any team in recent NFL history, but if you've been tracking them at all, the Dolphins have been getting better week after week after week, and on Monday night, as we remember against the Steelers, they even had a 14-0 lead, Uh, so they, they had gotten to the point where they weren't just competitive, but they were 
actively uh, looking like a team that could win a game, and they finished the do- job against the Jets. The Jets were the perfect opponent because this is an organization uh, both inside and out that's in a free fall right now. And on the first drive, just like last week for the Jets, they go right down the field. They get a touchdown. They're up 7 nothing. Sam Darnold looks great. And then, and again, this is why Adam Gase, to me, uh, especially now that the fan base is going to be on fire after you lose to the, the tanking Dolphins, you can't do this week after week and have a bad offense. The Jets have a bad, bad, bad offense. And Adam Gase was hired controversially. Uh, people didn't love the hire in a broad sense because they said this guy didn't do it in Miami. However, he had the Peyton Manning seal of approval and he had some glimmers of success with Ryan Tannehill and so on and so forth. And he would make Sam Darnold better. Sam Darnold is not getting better. Sam Darnold is regressing. So when you factor in uh, the poor play of the team, how they seem unprepared, uh, how they how they seem listless, uh, the effort isn't there at times, it seems, how they're getting beat every week, how they're getting embarrassed most weeks, and the fact that the golden boy Sam Darnold um, continues to struggle, especially with turnovers, um, and that was, of course, the, the connection to Darnold at USC, that he was a talented player that somehow sometimes could get careless. Well, that has really come to the forefront over the last three weeks. So add that all up. I think Gase has to go barring some type of magical shift. And you also have guys like Jamal Adams. We didn't really get into it too much uh, on Thursday's show, but he did tweet out during the Joe Douglas press conference how he felt essentially he was double-crossed, that the team had told him he wasn't on the block, and then they held trade talks. Uh, Ian Rappaport had a report on Sunday morning that Zach Martin, the Jets were asking for, uh, Tyron Smith, the Jets were asking for if they were going to move Jamal Adams to the Cowboys. The Cowboys said no. And Adams now is actively on Twitter putting emojis up like a finish line, a checker flag. He's giving a purposely, a pur- purposely vague, uh, you know, running out the clock answers post game. He's looking to get out of town. I don't think it's a great look by him either, but I get it. I get the frustration. The Jets are a mess, but good for the Dolphins. Hmm. If you're happy. I don't know if the Dolphins fans are happy right they, now. They but. are happy. The, the players are happy and the coaching staff's happy. They never were tanking. That's, well, that's true. You know, the organization. And no one ever said that the players right, and decided to take a step back. Watching Ryan Fitzpatrick walk off the field uh, with his two sons, two of seven, uh, which he says were, <laughs> so born, were born in seven different states, which is... If, I don't know if he was joking or not, but it's certainly possible considering his career. Kind is, of a weird joke. Is one of, right. It's one of the most wild stats out there. And he said, I, you know, this doesn't, this isn't like winning the Super Bowl, um, but it sure feels sweet and that this season has been a great lesson for my boys, that, that they're watching this and that they are learning a lot of what it means to be a human, to be in a professional, to be, to take joy in things when it's not, you know, going your way. And I found that that's kind of what sports is about sometimes. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick walking off the field with his son, Brian Flores getting the Gatorade bath. I mean, this felt like more than just an 0-7 team winning a game for them. Fitz is a smart guy. Where did he go to school? (laughs) Starting to feel like the plot from Major League. (laughs) That would be incredible. Uh, And we'll give uh, Adam Gase the final word. He was asked if, you know, this was embarrassing to not just lose to your former team, but uh, to lose to a tanking team that entered action 0-8. It doesn't matter in the NFL. You've got to come out here. You've got to play good. You've got to play well. You can't have penalties. You can't have missed opportunities. 
we didn't play well enough. Is this, is this win by them? Adam, is this embarrassing? I mean, it's the NFL, man. It's the NFL. Can't can't be embarrassed by that. Well, it is embarrassing. And it's humiliating to be a Jets fan. And he didn't just lose to the Dolphins. He lost to the team that he left in a mess. Let's move on. He gone. Chris Johnson was outside Ross the locker room. Ross takes the shotgun snap. Looks, throws inside. Ball is caught. Not looking good. Into the end zone. Seahawks win. Touchdown. Seahawks. Jacob Hollister, his second score. And the Seahawks win in dramatic fashion in overtime here at CenturyLink Field. What a game. It's always a happy ending at the clink in these games. Steve Reibel, K-I-R-O with the call. Russell Wilson connects with Jacob Hollister. 10-yard score, opening possession of OT. Seahawks rally back. They win 40-34 over the Bucks At the clink, as I said, Wilson continues a brilliant season. Uh, just unbelievable. He's got five touchdowns in this, past, in, in this game. It's a career high. And uh, the, the biggest problem for the Seahawks right now, Mark, is Jason Myers, who can't make a kick, including a 40-yarder that he missed on the final play of regulation. Uh, but life's good on Seahawks' corner, isn't it, bud? They overcome. It, it seems like whatever, whatever happens to the Seahawks in a game. In that uh, building oh, especially. They, they just, seem they, to always they be the ones celebrating at the end of these tight games that go back and forth. But I don't find that to be annoying with this team the same way I would with others we could point out that seem to live in a different uh, cloudy hemisphere than the rest of normal suffering fans. Like the Seahawks, <laughs> I like the way they're coached. I know a lot of Seahawks fans are down on Pete Carroll for various elements of oh, the team this year. Oh, stop it. Well, no, I mean, if you, Not you, but come on. That's, that's just out there, but I... What a disgrace. We talked on Thursday about how the Bucks and Down Seahawks would mimic each other on some level, Greg. I think you thought that there were similarities. And I will concede that the Bucks, to me, uh, the early part of this game was Tampa Bay, and we saw a little bit early on against that Rams, that explosion, that when they're on and when Jameis Winston isn't making mistakes, they are tough to deal with. Mike Evans is probably like the second best receiver in the league right now. He has almost 400 yards over two weeks. They compiled a 21-7 lead by... Basically executing long, enduring drives, seven plays, nine plays, 12 plays, 10 plays, all pumping in points off of this. And it's the game where I thought maybe Seattle has more issues than I thought because they start on defense and you can't ask Russell Wilson Wilson to dig you out of this hole week after week, but then it just plays to script in every possible way. Chris Carson was shut down early, but he had a big, big run in this that I thought galvanized Seattle on a scoring drive. And then they just got unhooked. And you're going to get something from Tyler Lockett every week that's magical, if not two or three things. And that formula all played out again, 40 to 34. By the way, I should mention that on Please do. NFL.com, our website, I will remind you it that is we, our did, we did our midseason Super Bowl picks, and I picked Ooh. Seattle. So that is looking very good. What was your well, preseason Super Bowl? To win the Super Bowl, you're saying. To win the Super Bowl. What was that preseason Super Bowl pick? Don't remember what that was. So taking uh, the Bucks to <laughs> overtime at home <laughs> and having a negative scoring differential at home this year is really putting but them over because, the Because, Greg, that is really the difference, I think, sometimes between you and me, that you're digging into scoring differentials. Well, he's also off, off Seahawks' stats. corner and you know, he's heading out. But I'm talking, I'm talking so about sad. the total human angle of the yeah. Seahawks. No matter what happens to the Bucks, this is the end. 
They're bad defensively. special to the human angle. They are bad defensively, but <laughs> that's just, okay. They're just a bad defense. That's it. But a bunch of bad defenses have been in Super Bowls, and I mean, we've seen Super Bowls that are 40-38, to 38, so... It could certainly happen. They, that has never been the final score of a Super Bowl. Well, there have been some close the ones. De- I don't the, they are in the toughest... <laughs> not a robot. They have, are in the toughest division in football, and they're going to have to go through the 49ers. They play the Rams again, and so they'll, they'll be tested. I'm not surprised. I think the Bucs came up with some positive things during their bye week. They've they've looked better offensively. They have Jason Pierre-Paul back. But the, the Seahawks winning this game in one score was just wildly predictable. It's great. Every <laughs> single... Yeah, they, they've been in the same amount of one-score games as the Bucs. It's insane. What a great segment. I love anytime Greg <laughs> plays the heel and uses wildly as an adjective. <laughs> D- and, DK know. Metcalf, by the way, he should be in that Offensive Rookie of the Year race, too. He has made that big of a difference. He's in, been great. And three of the plays he made today on the long touchdown, which was not on that you know supposed two-route tree, that the only things that he could run, that was a pretty advanced route. He made an incredible catch to set up the game-winning touchdown, and he made a player miss to set up what should have been the game-winning field goal. Like, he was a difference maker today. And I also like that I said this to Mark during one of our Sky Hits today. This probably doesn't even bear out. It just feels that way, that Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson never have an incompletion. Never have. And he's only targeted, like, five or six times a game. It's almost like there's some type of, like, hidden number he can't go above. Well, today, they targeted him, like, 100 times, and what did he have, 13 catches or whatever. Just (laughs) throw the ball to Tyler Lockett, and good things will happen. They have a great uh, connection. I'll give you the 13 for 152, 18 targets and two touchdowns. Everything works out in that building for them. These close games. It always does. Can't you be happy for them? I am. Okay. Oh, I sense a little bit of annoyance. Um, You're a little annoyed. I am a little bit I, I am a little bit annoyed in the sense that any franchise that it seems like it always works out. But then you think, all right, shut up, Dan. And like if Mina Kimes, for instance, is listening, she'd be like, What about Super Bowl forty nine? That should count as like a thousand failures uh, in your building. So maybe it's even Steven. Okay. I, that that does remind me. At the end of this game, they're like, "Oh, see, Dan was like, oh, CX are going to get a call here.' They always do. It they do. Like, they doesn't they sound get a like a guy who's a planting a flag on Seahawks' corner. They're also being no, aggressive, throwing the ball downfield, and getting yeah. pass interference calls because that's what they do with the. I'm end. on Seahawks' corner because you were you had them penciled in at seven and nine. Uh, in late August, and I said, no, they're going to figure out a way just like they always are, and here they are, 7-2. and two. That's amazing. If they throw the ball 40 <laughs> times a game... It sure is amazing. If they throw the ball 40 <laughs> times a game and embrace that, then I'm back. Dude, okay. Well, let's cross it. our fingers. Keep doing it. I'm sure that's how they're going to game plan from here on out. How do we lure Greg <laughs> back into our fan fold? Finally. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Out of the shotgun on first down, fakes the handoff to Burkhead, throws to Edelman at the line, slips one tackler but won't get far, fumbles the ball, recovered by the Ravens, Marlon Humphrey has it, and he's streaking down the sidelines, he's to the 20, 10, 5, touchdown Ravens, Marlon Humphrey, Mr. Instant Score strikes again. Mr. Instant Score, that might stick. Jerry Sandusky, WBAL, with the call. Yes, Marlon Humphrey becomes the first Raven in team history to score touchdowns on fumble recoveries in back-to-back weeks. This one changed the game in Sunday Night Football. Um, the Ravens get some much-needed breathing room, go on to win 37-20 to over the New England Patriots, who fall for the first time this season. They're 8-1. The Ravens, meanwhile, move to 6-2. and They have a stranglehold over the AFC North, and yes, you talk about the top of the AFC. Um, 
they know the tiebreaker on the Pats when you look at seeds and buys and all that good stuff. So that's what happened on Sunday night. Lamar Jackson, again, Mark, does his thing. He has a touchdown run. He has 60 more yards rushing, two more scores on the ground. He's just a different player than anybody else. If I want to view this as a Ravens fan, different than other instances of New England dropping a game in the regular season, people typically overreacting before New England unfurls eight straight wins and then detonates said team in the playoffs the second time around. It's that Baltimore won in the ways that they've won other games. 37-plus minutes of time of possession. 200-plus yards on the ground. Lamar Jackson doing things that no one can stop as he's roaming through cowed Patriots defenders, making all of us, our jaws drop as we watch him run with the ball. I mean, they didn't have to become something other than what they've been all year, and they completely overpowered and streaks of dominant play tonight. That's very encouraging. I think they're the hardest team in the NFL to prepare for, especially when they are at full strength, which they are with Hollywood Brown on the field. And there's no way you can come up with a defense that defends what Lamar Jackson did on that on that run where they had him cornered, as Wes uh, said at the time. He Lamar makes his own space. But ultimately, there's a spot in every game where – you just got to make a great throw, and it's 24 to 20 in this game. The Patriots had just scored. Uh, they had just moved the ball up and down the field to start the third quarter. It's third down. Dan Hansis says before a third and five, I believe, this, this play decides the game. Yeah, it felt a little early with seven minutes left in the third quarter. But you know what Lamar does? He drops a pass over the defense into the bucket against Mark Andrews. Not an easy pass to complete. He has a great drive. They score a touchdown. You're kind of right. It, there was. Well, they, the, the Patriots, after falling behind early, uh, got back into the game. Then they take the ball at the half. They start marching down the field again, and it feels like, uh-oh, they're about to take control of this game. The Marlon Humphrey turnover happens, but then the Pats go straight down the field again, and everyone's remarking uh, on social media how gassed the Ravens' defense is, and then the Ravens are facing that third down, facing a potential third and uh, three and out that would send that defense back on the field, and instead he converts it, turns it into a 14-play, 80-something yard drive and the touchdown, uh, and at that point, the Ravens were in control of the game. And, and John Harbaugh went for fourth and four on that drive instead of letting Justin Kicker, uh, Justin Tucker, uh, kick. You know what? It would have been a fifty-yard plus, and that showed some onions. That showed an awareness of what type of game it was. And whereas so much the faith in the quarterback, where and a lot of faith in Lamar and faith in the numbers, as opposed to the Patriots, who didn't go for it on fourth in goal, you know, because I think Bill Belichick was hoping that it was going to turn into a lower score game and that wasn't in the cards. It's hard to resist being hyperbolic about this game. Mm. The, the Ravens scored half the points that the Patriots have allowed on defense this year uh, or half the t- touchdowns and 38% of the points the, the Patriots have allowed all year on defense. You look at this game and you think Lamar Jackson's an MVP candidate. It's another reminder that even though John Harbaugh's job was whispered about a couple of years ago, one of the top five coaches in the NFL, Greg Roman may be a head coach candidate, that Lamar Jackson landed with the exact right franchise, one willing to embrace analytics and put their whole offseason program around building the offense to suit Lamar Jackson's unique skills. This looks like a Super Bowl contender. They they are, and I think this has been a day in the AFC where – the, the talk that I never believed in, that the Patriots are so far ahead of the pack, um, 
looks different because the Chiefs, they the Chiefs had- get a big win without Mahomes and Texans get a win. At least maybe they're in the mix and the Ravens are in the – now that said, I also don't think it's that – big of a loss for the Patriots. I think losses happen, that they're a growing team, that they need to be better on offense. I think at times tonight, they showed some things on offense that look pretty good. Mohamed Sanu is going to be a big addition for them. Ten catches. Uh, they, it's a matchup game where they do not match up well with the Ravens' speed. They'll, if they see him again in the playoffs, they'll have seen it once. Maybe that helps them or not. Maybe they don't play the, the Ravens. But I just think there are other good teams in the AFC. They would have had a three-game lead on the entire AFC had they won this game. I mean, we can talk about these teams knocking off New England in the regular season, but how many times has New England beaten, been beaten twice by the same team in one year? That's the thing. I, that's where, that's where I, it's nice, but someone going and doing it to the Patriots in January a second time, that's the challenge. And I warn anyone out there, to, uh, you're going to listen to some sports talk shows in the morning and first take type things that are going to say that the Patriots have been exposed, that the Patriots finally played a team that was worth a damn and got their asses whipped. Well, you know what? Calm down with that because this is a bump in the road. And I'm and what's been a, a pretty dreadful season for people like me that either root for a bad team or root against the Patriots or both. Uh, this was a nice moment, but I am not here. Well, they're not 16 and 0. You said yeah. this, and you said I was putting a reverse jinx on them. I really thought that it's a tough it's a tough you matchup. You did pick the Ravens. It's the first time in the history of this podcast you picked against the Patriots. They, uh, they have a really tough schedule over the next five weeks. They go to Philadelphia after their bye. I think this is a perfectly timed bye. Uh, they need to get Isaiah Wynn back, their left tackle, Thank eventually. Uh, well, I mean, you have to have a bye eventually. But also, I like going into the bye with a loss. I think Bill Belichick does uh, like that, at Eagles versus Cowboys, at Texans versus Chiefs. I think those are five of the best teams, most talented teams that they could face. I think if they go four and two in that stretch, they already have a loss. They're going to get the one seed. If they go three and three in that stretch, they still might get the one seed. They're still in very good shape to, to round you know into getting home field. I personally prefer to go into the bye on a win, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, this defense isn't the 85 Bears. I think we saw that. They got run on by the Browns last week. They got run on by the Ravens this week. Just don't count them out. They could go on another dominant stretch at any time. All right, any final thoughts on this game? Hmm. Poor Mark. Uh, he couldn't even enjoy like couldn't even enjoy uh, a Second. Patriots loss because then he realized, oh, great, the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Like, Well, I've already been to one live experience of watching Baltimore win the Super Bowl. I mean, Beating your one, wife's favorite team. Right, one is enough, but it's going to be two because that's how the NFL fortunes seem to work in the favor for some of us or not in the favor. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with our next show uh, where we'll break down the final game of week nine, Monday night football, a matchup that pits the Dallas Cowboys and the New York giants. Uh, and then, uh, also have Thursday and you know what happens Thursday. We preview week 10. This, the wheel goes round and round. So thank you to everybody for both listening, watching. You guys are the best. Um, let's get out of here. Stan hands is signing off for quiet storm. The mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Matty Tant filling in. Everybody, doing their share. Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.